Hello? 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 It just said recording and pro I got this weird, uh, <clears throat> weird uh, I hadn't seen this pop up before. It's like recording in progress. And then it's like I had to like say, click OK before it would even let me log on. Oh, Very after confused. your consent? Basically, yeah. <clears throat> and I, uh, I consented. Okay, good. Your hair's getting shaggy. That's why I brought the comb. <laughs> nice. I don't know. So is this being? Uh, so so you're recording like? Well, how's this? What what's the? Is this is this is just a print thing or a, a podcast thing or what video? Well, I mean, no, it's mostly just gonna be the print thing. I don't I don't think okay. I'll. Yeah, it anywhere. I'll, I'll ask you. I'll ask for your consent on that one too. I guess. No, that's fine. I, I just, I just, I didn't know like what the format was. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Print things fine. Yeah, I'm a Great. little. I like. I don't. Uh, I mean, I have questions and stuff I prepared, but uh -huh. it, it seems odd to take on the uh, interview voice. Of like, hey, thanks for doing this. You do know? you have a different interview voice? You have yeah, a, I do. I total, totally different one. Is it uh, deeper or? Uh... No, it's it's faker. It's bad. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Wow, yeah, hey, thanks for doing here. this. Enthusiastic. Uh, uh, I like it. I, I like a little <coughs> fake enthusiasm. It makes me feel better, you know. Because I don't know why anyone does this stuff. I don't know why anyone does this stuff either. I have no idea. I mean, I know why I'm supposed to do it, uh, you know, for um, promotional purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, help the publisher get the word out about the but, book. But isn't that their job? When did people, uh, when did the creator be, also become the marketing team? Oh, well, that, you know, that uh, ever since, uh, well, ever since the internet, <laughs> yeah. essentially, you know, um, I mean, and then social media and that, and then it just became this like, uh, you know, and, and also, I mean, much more so in music than anywhere else, but also in books, you know, like nobody reads, nobody buys books and physical books, certainly, uh, or even really reads as many books anymore, buys books. I don't, I just don't think it, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I, I mean, maybe that was always the case, but you know, the, so I guess my point being like, I know, for example, somewhere like, some, like, you know, the big publishers like Random House, they, uh they downsized a lot you know and so like um so so like their marketing departments just constantly not just like it, it, across the board so like they, they publish fewer books they take fewer risks in the books that they publish and they have once the book is there uh they have fewer people doing the marketing you know I mean, on the on the PR side, like they, they have sure. sales reps and things. I don't know what those people do. That's sales selling. They uh, talk to bookstores, but especially, you know, and this might just be uh, some of this is relatively recent with, with the pandemic and everything, because then definitely that there were no, book, you know, like there's no typically you would go. OK, so I've got a, a book out. Publisher wants me to go do a book tour, you know. Right. But there's no, there's no. Um, uh now that you can't even do that i mean the bookstores still to this to this day are are leery about having in-person events right. um so like if i do any like for example the, the the la event that the guy's working on 
if there is an LA event, it would be Skylight, right? But Skylight is checking with American Cinema Tech because they don't want to do it in their store. They want to do it in a theater. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know why. I think because they think a theater is a, 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 a better space. People feel more comfortable in a theater, I don't, I, I don't really know why. Because Skylight's a pretty big store. I don't, it's, I don't. It's if they're talking about the Los Feliz Three. I mean, that's the smallest movie theater I've ever been to. Right. Uh, Sky, we, Skylight's the same size. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, but I guess the, maybe the ventilation is better. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just uh, all I'm saying is, and, and and I, you know, I hope they're talking about. The Los Feliz Three, because like I don't, I, you know, if they think anyone's going to show up at the Egyptian, <laughs> well, but that's it, the one the American Cinematheque sort of I runs. Well, they, they they run all, yeah, they run the Los Feliz Three now, but like they also have the Arrow and the and the Egyptian. But yeah, I don't, I don't think they were talking about that, um, obviously. But he, that's just an example. It's like he, you know, he, they're like most of a lot of the book events are still virtual, and that's just like, it's like taking something that already nobody wants to. <laughs> or do and then making it worse by making it like a zoom you know like you've been you've done probably you've you've have you ever done like one of these uh, virtual zoom like not seminars or webinar whatever they're called you know like like a thing i did you know? i did two comedy shows on zoom and there it, was, you go. it was a disaster How can do a comedy? <laughs> you can't do a comedy show on zoom there's no yeah there's no room it's like tough room. There's no room. There's no room. Well, there's also like, uh, yeah, because it was a, just a big void. And the only reason I did it was because the theater, it was like a Wisconsin-based theater. And they were like, we've already sold like 200 tickets, which is outlandish. I mean, I, I do believe it because what else is there to do in Wisconsin? But, um, but I thought like we would be able to hear the audience. Yeah, and that wasn't the case. It was uh, oh, oh, it was just it was just us doing a. Sh it was just it's all bullshit. It's all yeah. I mean, I I know there was like a, um, like one of the very very few things that I've ever done was like Stephen was doing like promo for Kimmy, but he did it like it was just for it was a Singani sixty three event. Mm -hmm. You know that was so it was basically it was him in where you are your, your screen and he's like you know just like in in. A, like a blank room, like his office or whatever. And yeah. then like he had some bartender guy in his kitchen, you know, showing people how to make Kimmy themed Singani cocktails. And then they were taking, you know, questions, but you, that, that's it. Like he's, it was just like, you didn't know who else was, was participating. You couldn't see, I mean, and also it's like, and he's just like sitting there going, oh yeah, we got a question here from, oh, this is one more for, for you. You know, it's always, it was always, no one wanted to ask about the fucking cocktail. They didn't want to ask about the movie. They wanted to ask about like stuff like, you know, when is that box? You said you were going to do a box set of your old movies. And like, oh yeah, um, well, I've been working on that. So I guess I can say if you, you know, like that, it was just like the most, he looked nervous and uncomfortable. Yeah. And it was his idea, you know? <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, you're, you can't control these zoom things because it's like anyone could just jump on and then then you're just getting like you said people who are asking him questions that have nothing to do with yeah event. i mean you know i mean 
and it's like it's also it's also like it's it's a, it was special it was mailed out to only to people who had previously ordered singani presumably or you know expressed yeah. interest. so it's like you've got this you know so you've got this audience of people who are either fans of the liquor which uh, you know there may be three of those i don't know and then and or fans of just him um and so it's a it's not like he's who is he why does he need why is he promoting this i mean what's he promoting is what is my point it's like it's like you know it's a it's it's a movie that doesn't you know obviously he doesn't need to you know, do a lot. He, it's not a, it's not opening in theaters. He doesn't need to push it that hard, but you know, and you know, but his like, it's like, you see these other guys with their, with their, their tequilas and their vodkas and stuff. And they're just slamming it right in their own movies. You know, like you've got like red nose, you've got the rock and you got Ryan Reynolds and each of them has their own branded vodka or tequila sure, and yeah. they're actually drinking it in the movie. You know, know. they're like, that's cause that's all it was. That was a fake movie. I, well, I know that. That was not that was not a motion picture. That because even no. what's her face, Wonder Woman had something that she was promoting in the uh, movie. Yeah, I'm sure. I, no, I, no, I, it was it was it was execrable to use a, a fancy word. Well, let's yeah. you know, let's let's, was, du- it, let's dumb it down a little bit, will you? It, it, it was it was it, it was one of the worst movies I've seen in a long time. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a movie. I don't be well, like I watched movie. it, and I was like, I I, I, I'm not. I mean, I am. I am to this day. I'm not convinced any of those three people were in the same room at no, any point. There's not. They, they um, weren't. I, I just. I don't think. And and even if they had, <coughs> casting was so bad. It's like The Rock and Gal Gadot. The chemistry between them was like it was like anti-chemistry. I have <laughs> such a weird thing about The Rock, which I would. I'd like to actually pull women, uh, and that's not a innuendo, but um, which is like because we, my wife and I went to go see uh, one of his movies takes place in the jungle, like every other movie of his. That sounds like Red Notice. Wait, which one? No, it wasn't Red Notice. It was like Jungle Cruise or something. Jungle Cruise. Yeah, terrible. Jungle Cruise. Yeah, I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, I knew it. I mean, I like The Rock. So we had, to, we had to kill. We had to kill time in uh, Alabama, yeah. and. Sure. Um, uh, is it Kate Beckinsale that's in it? I mean, one of those. Yeah. Every, they all, everyone's the same. Yeah. There's no movie stars. There's just like faces that I can't yeah. distinguish. I like Kate Beckinsale. I mean, but but yeah, I mean, it depends. Like, I liked her in Whit Stillman's uh, last movie, which was a, a like a Jane Austen adaptation. That guy's know? still doing stuff. Well, he, that was his How's last he money. It was a while. I I don't know, but it was a while ago. It was pretty good, but it was a it was a period piece. It was close to me and. Uh, mm. Uh, what's her face? Molly Scalder, one of those, I think. And Kate Beckinsale was in it, and she was great in that. But she was, it was a, it was an actual movie with you know real uh, parts to play and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's like you know, but yeah, she's not a movie star, not anymore anyway. But she was, uh, she was very uh, whoever it was the actress was very uh, ooh la la towards The Rock. I mean, um, it was like like, and I was like, I asked my wife, I was like, do do women find The Rock sexy? And she said, <laughs> she was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't I think don't so. But I, I, but you know, I'm sure there are some women who find him sexy, but I'm, I'm saying like a broad spectrum. I don't, I don't think that's his, his appeal. His appeal is, is more like, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I know that I get, he's like supposed to be a big guy with muscles and everything. Yeah. And, uh, but I think it's like, he's like, so he's just so non-threatening, you know, to everyone and like, kind of just like, you know, with his raised eyebrow, you know. Sure. Um, but 
I don't know. He works really hard at just being completely inoffensive to everyone. Yeah. Um, but you know, which is offensive <laughs> to you, to me. I, I'm offended. Yeah, you're so inoffensive. Yeah, he's so weird. Um, but, but yeah, can people I, not read books. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the book, uh, yeah. the type of book. I mean, I think there's still genres that sell, um, but. It, I don't think that, uh, um, I don't think the book, I mean, I, I, I'm, I think they said like, I think I, I think I was told at some point that, you know, the, 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 whatever you want to call the literary audience, like if you, if you just put out a, a, a fairly well acclaimed, not well acclaimed, but like a fair, just a generic literary novel and it reaches the people it's supposed to reach, that's about 2000. You're going to sell about 2000 copies. That's like, you know, that's where it tops out unless you break out of like the, the, you know, New York, uh, review books circle of readers or book form or people who actually, so in other words, the people who are interested in literature, like the LARB people and the, like people who, or people who read LARB and read book reviews and all that kind of stuff and follow that kind of thing. There's about 2000, at least in the U S I don't, that's not worldwide, but in, in the U S that's like, 2000 which is dismal i mean i mean the um, two i think more than 2000 people live in my apartment complex exactly in 12 um, apartments now i don't know if that takes into account like piracy or 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 you know uh the pass along thing there you know, there always used to be like when when we did, when there were magazines i don't know if you remember this sure we'll get into it yeah magazines uh, printed on paper and um there was always like, you know, there's always some some funny business with the um, circulation numbers because there was the actual was first you had your subscribers and then you had your uh, newsstand sales, which you didn't know about. You know, they fluctuated. Um, but then they, they they would do something called the pass along factor. So you could take, let's say, your actual hard numbers are one hundred fifty thousand you know, for that month. But then you would say, well, so our, our subscriber base is one hundred fifty thousand, but that means five hundred thousand people read it. Because, you know, there's an average pass along factor of two point, I don't you know, whatever it is, because, you know, when you think about it, it does kind of make sense, because it's like, if there's a, a copy of a magazine sitting around in an apartment or in a, in a lot somebody's, you know, a business in a lot, you know, in their lobby, dentist's office, waiting room, whatever, a lot of people are going to read that, that didn't pay for that subscription, it's not a register anywhere. So that's how they would game the numbers to try to sell ads i guess but that's like again that's that's all gone now and that now everything you can because of the because of the internet uh also because because you can measure everything mm-hmm. you measure every single click and every single and know every single thing about that person that clicked on your stupid article i mean it's just a complete i have no idea how it's i i would i'm just glad that i, I um i don't have to think about things like that anymore but but when it comes to books yeah i don't know you know good question i don't know if anyone reads anymore i mean i read yeah as do i yeah you and me we're so if we were representative of the of the the reading public uh uh there would there would be a healthy uh publishing industry you know uh as it is, I, I think it's really it's really hard. Uh, I mean, one of the guys, one of my 
the the guys um, who blurbed the book, uh, Mike Leslie, who's a screenwriter in, in London, England. I've heard um, that. Uh, he was just because I, I had them send him a copy, you know, I had, I, you know, anyone blurred the book, I had them send him a copy. And, he, you know, he was, he said something like, oh, I did. In fact, I did receive your book. What do you say? Uh, he said something like, oh, no, it was in the, it's not in that folder. I have everything. He said, obviously, because it's a physical entity, I'm bewildered as to its function. I've spent the last few weeks tapping a debit card on it and nothing seems to happen. Nor does it respond when I attempt to scroll its surface for more pages, but ah, it's a lovely physical entity. I'll read it again when I figure out how to work it. I mean, obviously he's joking, uh, but you know, that's like, it's just to a lot of people, it's just like a book, an actual physical book. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Because even the people that do read, and I'm included in that. I read a lot of books on my, uh, on my iPad. I I don't know how you, I, I can't do it. I can. I, I didn't think I used to be able, able to, but it's just like I've gotten, you get used to it. Um, and I've got something like 7,000 books on there. I have to hide my phone when I want to sit down and read. Like I, yeah, well, I, I put in a, and I go in a separate room. Like I can, can't be near it. I can't be near any distraction. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh yeah. I'm not distracted. <clears throat> I'm not distracted. Um, partly I think it's because on my iPad, uh, I don't have cellular. So I don't get messages or anything like that. Um, but uh, no, it's not the distraction thing. It's just more like, you know, because mine is like, it's like a good, it's basically, you know, it's book size. You know, so you just read it, you know, it's just read, 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 you know. And it's like, that's really all I use it for. Um, but yeah, I couldn't, I, I know people, I know Jonathan, for example, uh, uh, he reads books on and uh, on his phone all the time and watches movies. Um, and I'm like, how do you read? How do you read books on and and how do you watch a movie on your phone? Who is sitting for a 90 minutes holding this thing like this? This is I think I think he does it like I mean on, you know Jonathan he never leaves yeah. the house so so when he does do that he's doing that usually on the plane, but he will do it on the plane from from my in, in, in has done it on the plane i don't know he he's as we all know he's not normal <laughs> sure yeah but i but yeah i know i know like but, but he but he is normal in the fact that a lot of people apparently do this and i yes. just think like that's not enjoyable like i don't know i, 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 I don't keep... know how, how like what is the point i would rather just not watch a movie i would rather just I'd, if i'm on a plane i'd rather first of all I'm, uh, internally freaking out at every little uh, I need to be knocked out like an elephant but like I'd yeah. rather just not watch a movie I'm, I'm, I'm fairly well sedated uh, anytime I'm playing um, but you know you got the screen on the back of your seat these days and, that, uh, and, and I still don't I, don't I don't want to do that that's that's too small for me having said that I have no problem watching it on a, a laptop I've, I've gotten used to that the laptop movie thing because like, uh, I don't know, just used to it, I guess. I wouldn't have imagined that I would have gotten used to it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a 15 inch laptop. It's not tiny. No, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't think anything, any movie has ever been benefited by being able to watch it at home. Yeah. It would then, always be better in a theater. Yeah. In theory. 
then I would I would have to leave the house. Sure. Uh, also, um, build a theater. Uh, Scorsese was just I was watching Scorsese uh, uh, telling a story about uh, Fellini the other uh, the other he was like he was like um, he said Fellini hold, was hold on in, one second hold on. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is gonna be the most riveting part of the interview. Now you're gone. Uh, I'm here. Just, uh, just rearranging some books. Uh, all right, Fellini, Marty. Yeah, Marty uh, like early '90s, like say '91. He goes to some festival in in, in uh, Japan, and uh, Mr. Uh, Marita wants to see him, who's the chairman of uh, Sony. And he's like, he says he pulls it. This is obviously third hand. So this is my Scorsese is telling the story that Fellini told him. He's like. So uh, this, this Japanese, the head of Sony, pulls out this little silver disc and he puts it in and he said, and there was La Strada and it was perfect. It was, it was a perfect uh, screen, a perfect, you know, like it was a perfect copy. And he was like, he was, so obviously this was a very early form of DVD and, he, and Fellini was just like, I love this. There's yeah. my movie and it's immaculate, you know, it looks beautiful and it's like, you know, um, and that's like DVD, which was, you know, as you know, like now you look at a DVD and it's like, what, what is it? You know, like, like the picture quality is just so, so inferior even to like a Blu-ray or, you know, mm -hmm. I can't watch, watch anything that's it's not at least 720p. I seriously, it's just like, it looks like, ugh. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, I don't know. I edited my movie on on the laptop for the most part. I did have a a, a screen, a bigger screen, um, just to check things, just to make sure. But I was like, most people are going to watch it this way, so um, that's how I'm going to uh, edit it. Mm -hmm. And you know, Steve, Stephen edits all his movies on his on his laptop. Figure figure if he can do it, it's <clears throat> good enough for him. Good enough for me. Sure. Who do I think I am? Delma Schoonmaker? Walter Murch? Both legends. I mean, yeah. true, Absolutely. truly revolutionized movies. Absolutely. But I'm not them. They got the big, they got the five screens and the 27 banks of things and this and that, the other thing. The edit standing up. I don't know. It's a whole different world. Uh, so, so we're both in agreement. Why do people do anything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, the, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, what's the other, what's the other option? I mean, not doing anything. Well, I mean, maybe that's the next art form. Just don't do anything. Uh, that's fine with me. Won't be my art form. Yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, no. There's always like, yeah, I don't know. There's always like, whenever you uh, do something and put it out there, there's all there's just like so, so much associated shame and self-loathing that yeah, you do tend tend to wonder why 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 you why you bothered to do that. I yeah. doing things, but then like put when you put them out there, then it's like oh, uh, it's so embarrassing. 
um, uh, it's like, uh, I, I wish that, um, but you know, the, 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 the idea, I think theoretically the idea is if you do something and people do like it, then you'll get to do more of it. That's just mm -hmm. the sort of the basic idea. I, you know, it's not really sustainable with books unless you write a bestseller accidentally. I mean, someone like my, my friend Josh Cohen, who just won the, I don't know how to pronounce it, Pulitzer, um, for fiction. I'm sure that will give him a nice bump in sales, but I don't. I still don't know if he's going to like make a like a great living on on that. You, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like 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 he he's he's um <clears throat> he's always someone who's who's done a lot of ex, extra stuff. You know, like ghostwriting Snowden's book, and you know, mm. um, a lot of book reviews and you know journalism and things like that to supplement. Um, not that there, and again, that's a shrinking pool of. Uh, whatever of income and, and opportunity as well, but um, where is just, all the money going? Where uh, where is all, where is it all going? Well, I mean, I, I think that the um, I don't know the answer to that, but I think that uh, that it depends on what industry we're talking about. In music, I mean, the, the 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 big music companies are still making billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, but they're not paying the artists. So I don't, that, so I, to answer your question, I don't know. Um, uh, the, the book publishing business, I think that's legitimately just uh, a dying. I mean, what was, you know, what was like for magazines, what was, what was holding that together for a long time was, was advertising. I mean, that was, mm -hmm. was paying for it. It wasn't, it was never subscribers. You know, it was never, I mean, that was an important part, but it was mainly, like I said, saying before, it was mainly the, the numbers are more important for your ad rates base, you know? But, those, it, but wouldn't that theoretically be a better system? Because if I click on spin, let's say, of uh, just pick a random yeah. uh, website, I can, yeah. I can circumvent the ads. I don't have to look at whatever ads are on there. I can just no, scroll I, up. I can skip. I can do whatever. Yeah. But when you had a magazine, like whether I wanted to like look at a uh, guest jeans ad or not, like it was there. Like I, I, like I definitely was looking at it. Oh, you were looking at it. Oh, I was looking at it for sure. Especially when they had a uh, Claudia Schiffer, but, uh, or Schaefer. Or, uh... I think it was right. The first one was right. <laughs> but, um, you know what I mean? Like that, yeah, if, if I was an advertiser, I'd be like, well, they have to look at it there. They don't have to look at it on the website. Um, well, it's like I said before, it was like before they didn't, they sort of like, they didn't know, they weren't, weren't able to target their advertising as specifically as they are now, um, demographically or in any, any other way. And I, look, I'm not saying it works or not. It could be a whole, it's a, it's a, you know, shimmer. Um, but you know, all the ad dollars went to Google and Facebook. That's, that's where everything is, is, is gone. That's, that's where all that money went. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's like advertising for but like, you know, that's everybody's advertising. So it's like, that's affects broadcast TV that affects, uh, magazines that affects, uh, everything. Um, and newspapers, remember newspapers. I don't know if you remember that. Sure, yeah. 
newspapers. You line your birdcage with them. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, it started with something as simple as it's Craigslist, you know, because like like a lot of newspapers, especially those like alt weeklies and the and the or the smaller market the dailies, you know, they, they rely even more so than on just regular advertising dollars on like personal ads, you know, mm-hmm. on ads uh, for rent like this that. You know, as soon as Craigslist came along, that that just cratered. It just totally destroyed that uh, that advertising model. And so like that that was one of the first things you know the village voice used to be huge this huge thick thing but most of it was just classified it was like um it's crazy and if you're like like so so if you're cbgb's for example in the in the 80s or 90s whatever you know you take out your little strip in the village voice and then like everybody looks at it to see who's playing every day that week but then cbgb's i mean that if CBGB's or a club like CBGB's existed today, like now they just they, they have their own web, website and they put up their uh man, it must be warm in here. My my hook just fell off my door. Uh a stick-on hook, you know. It's but it's been it's been there for months. I can't this is this doesn't make any sense. But you know, now now you it costs them nothing to to have a Facebook account and, and say here's who's playing tonight. You know, and also now you make the, the you, like you always did make the bands do do the the the, the work, the, but back then it was like going around town and uh, gl- gluing out flyers everywhere. As like, uh, and that was like the the best you could, you know, like that that was the, you know, the, um, and it was also illegal, um, but you did it anyway. Nobody cared. Um, sure. But it had its own problems. But like I'm saying, it's like now, now it's like you have to create your own. If you're a band, you create your own Facebook event. Then you got to invite all your Facebook. Friends. Nobody, I have. I'm not on any social media. Um, but I assume if you are, that you're still get. You know, you would still be getting like 16 invites to things you have no interest in going. But if it's your friend, you say maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know you don't want to. You don't want to say no. Um, or even say yes and just have no intention. Yeah, just don't go. yeah. I mean, it's just, but that's, you know, that, yeah, I, 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 it's a, that's, that's a, that's, that's a hard question to answer in a, in a, in a capsule form. Uh, where, where did all the money go? Cause it's still there. Money didn't go anywhere. It's just, it's just spent differently. It's like, look at, it went to big tech. It went to Google. It went to Facebook, mm-hmm. went to Amazon, went to, um you know just look at those are those are the companies that the trillion dollar market cap you know i mean it's like they're just sitting on piles of cash i know it's weird and especially because they're not spending it on the product and they're still being rewarded for it movies movies are very interesting because i watch a lot of movies from all decades yeah movies now look cheaper than they did like an act like to go back again to red notice looks cheaper than let's say like con air which is 20 some years ago like it actually seems like it it should be reversed like red notice should have been done first and then they were like okay this looks bad let's just shoot with real stuff well i mean there there's a combination there of of 
shooting on film and you know um the replacement of practical effects with cgi and that's a whole that's a whole the cgi thing is a whole it's not like that's one of the few um visual effects is one of the few um areas of the business that are not unionized so it's like th those guys will will work to insane deadlines and like they, they it's not like they they can't do the quality it's just like that's where everyone's cutting corners you know like they're actually it's it, it's um it, it's like um they they know that they just don't have enough time to make they're not given enough time to make the effects the way they they should look and that i mean and and you know yeah and, and uh those budgets i don't know I don't know what those budgets are for. I mean, but yeah, I mean, look, I think most movies look better, A, because, but that's not always true. The film thing is just, it just required a different lighting and like all that kind of stuff. And it was just like, and it was so much, you know, when you were shooting on film, now it's just, everything is so flatly lit because they have to do CGI work and they don't really know what it's gonna end up looking like in the end. So they shoot it in this uniform, dull, washed out way. So that whatever they then paint in on top of that, it'll all match, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's like, I this, think about it that way. But yeah. It's really, just a really dull, and it, it, but you know, look, there's, there's upsides to the technology, you know, getting better. Cause it's like, there are, it, it is possible to make, you know, but, but it's like, and so anyone can make a movie right but it's like then the question is because it's the same thing with music anyone can make an album now the technology has never been easier and it's never been cheaper to just go make a record How, but a well that's a separate issue with the music business because a there's no music business um but it's also there's so many more people making music now than there ever were that how do you get that heard you know um <laughs> well, it's not even, yeah, that's a big part of it, but it's like, yeah, anyone can make an album, but wh why aren't we getting like a Kid A or Pet Sounds, every, you know, every week? Well, um, you might be, but there, you wouldn't know about it. How would you even find out about it? Like, I mean, look, th those, th yeah, the, the albums you're talking about, they, they cost a lot of money to make. And yeah, and there was, big, that was, again, this goes back to the whole, you know, when there was a, a a music business there was and there was a um you know the record companies would invest the money into making the record and because they knew you know and then then invest the money more more importantly into the marketing and distribution of the record so that they could build an audience for the record and then blah you know like because you don't get kid a with be you know be, unless you get okay computer before that and then unless you get the bends before that unless you get the pablo honey which had creep on it and that was a big radio hit and it's like you don't yeah. get, you don't get to kid a without that first big radio hit and you don't get that first big radio hit without a record company sending the band out on tour with fucking you know Blair. i don't know whoever they were playing with i, I mean yeah. i think around that time i saw them opening for PJ Harvey or opening for Belly or somebody like that, you know, like when, when that first came out. Um, and probably opening for even for much worse bands, you know, like that, that were bigger, but that got them some exposure. I don't know. Um, it can still happen. It just happens uh, 
and that's but you're talking about rock music you're not i mean then there's pop music i think is very healthy actually hip-hop and pop on a certain level they're, they're selling they're not selling as many physical records but in terms of like being being dominant in the pop culture there's you know um there's you know someone like billy eilish or whoever you know mm -hmm. or drake or somebody like that is just like you know everyone's listening to their music everyone's sure. um, buying their records and or not buying their records listening to the records i guess that's the big difference <clears throat> but that's like you know that's a that's like you have to that that then you're like yeah that's pop music so that's a whole different thing i was thinking about this this morning i knew you know it's the end of an era when aerosmith can't come back and make one more hit because <laughs> they were able they were always able to do that because they were they were huge in the 70s and then they went away a little bit then the 80s they came back with run dmc they were popular again then they went away a little bit then the uh, 90s get a grip came out they were huge again and then they had one last like one last victory with like that song from armageddon maybe or pearl harbor when they were on the still 90s but also like the other thing is like here's the thing about aerosmith they 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 stopped making good records when they stopped uh, taking drugs so like their last good record was rocks which i think was 1979 or 80 uh that had back in the saddle again. So when they cleaned up and came back, they didn't write their songs. Diane Warren wrote those songs. Yeah. You know, they had just like, that was, then they turned into a pop. They were just like any other pop band. Um, they weren't really even a rock band anymore, but I mean, it was just like, is this slick, gross, you know, but I mean, but to your point, but yeah, I mean, as, as for why they can't do it now, I mean, they're, they're 95 years old. I mean, you know, I, I don't know why they're trying. <laughs> um, to be honest i mean like honestly you did like i mean i guess like the rolling stones still tour but they don't really put out records whatever's left of them you know um, that don't really or if they're smart they don't put out records it's just like no one wants to hear that i mean right they haven't put out a good record again since probably 1980 <laughs> since like start me up yeah since tattoo, tattoo, tattoo you or something yeah that was probably that was um but but yeah, I mean that's different. That's a there's a shelf life for band for for bands of a productive of like I mean there's like you're I mean you look at I, my theory is for any band they've got no, no band has more than two great albums um, in them ever like it just it's just like you know like like and then the, the you know they have other albums that are worth listening to and that have good songs on them but like you know even the, if you look at the Beatles and I, I don't. Like people will argue, obviously, about that, but I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, Revolver. Um, Revolver is yeah. the only one I would listen to. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I Sergeant like, Pepper stinks. Yeah, well, it's not. It's not my favorite. Um, and it's like the White Album is uneven. It's not like all the way through listenable. Mm -hmm. um, so and Abbey Road, same. You know, like Rubber Soul maybe but see even that it's not it's not like it's well that's the other one i would say is like their other yeah. one so, I that's what I'm saying. So, so like if you're like that's the beatles and that's like the gold standard for like rock, you know like great rock bands i mean i just can't like like you look at the who and you probably depends on your taste you know there but like most people would agree who's next at least and and some people like me would say who sell out that's that's the good one 
Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I'm just I, like, I, I got to ask you about your book. We've been doing this for 40 minutes. I don't yeah, think any of this yeah, is yeah. usable. No, no, no. And plus, when I, when I pitched this, Bob responded, who, I'm not quite sure what Bob's role is. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. He was like, no, ask him about spin, about his early days in spin. That's what uh, he wants. To do. I mean, uh, you know, and I will, I, but you know. All right. all right. Well, let's start, start with the. Let's just cover the boilerplate stuff. Uh, well, the book. You know, let's. We've gone through all of this. So why write this book? Uh, well, um, it's my. What was the book. genesis of it? The genesis of it was um, was that I was in Paris, and a friend of mine. Uh, had gone to high school with you know the actress Ava Green, um, yeah. so and so she 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 told me that Ava Green had a twin sister, um, and that in high school, um, everyone thought the twin sister was going to be the the actor because the twin sister was the more outgoing sort of exhibitionist, more theatrical person, where Ava Green was mm -hmm. bookish and withdrawn and reserved and. That was the initial seed of, of my idea was like, I, you know, what if like, it just got me thinking of like, what if like the, the other, what, what's that other twin sister thinking? You yeah. know, like, what's she doing? Like, I don't know. I don't know what the real story is, but that was like, I took, I took off from there. Um, and then um, uh, I thought, yeah, like, what if you had a twin that you believe has the life that you deserve? Um, so that was kind of the initial idea of it and then i was reading this robriere novel um in english it's uh, uh what's it called in english reflections or remember remembrances of the golden triangle anyway it's about a it's not about and that's the thing about robriere novels is that like uh it has a very um non-narrative narrative but it was like in a cool way it, and, and and i was like well what if this other uh bitter twin is a translator and was working on a translation uh, to uh, recollections recollections of the golden triangle and the golden triangle is kind of this secret snm society um as as far as i can make out um but, and moans. exactly yeah and i and i was like well what if uh, she starts translating the book and the plot of that book starts happening to her, which is a very rogue thing to have happen in the first place. So she's translating the rogue book and then the plot of that book starts happening to her. Um, and that was basically it. And then I just, um, I threw in some other things. <laughs> but it's like, it, it was, no, I mean, it was just, it, it, as it, as I worked on it, it developed into the, this, into some other things and um, some other sort of interests in the photographer, in this photographer, Francesca Woodman, who committed suicide in 19, I think, 81 in New York. And, um, and just, just, I, just the whole idea of, uh reality as a translation in general that was kind of the you know yeah. like you could look at it that way and it, um so yeah and then uh, it's just all, all all my ideas whether they're books or movies or whatever they start out as basically what if you know mm -hmm. um that i don't i don't know why that just seems to be like you know 
Um, for example, in, in Unsane, we were just like, you know, read this article about how people could be involuntarily committed just for saying, uh, or saying yes to the, if they're asked, have you ever thought about killing yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, you say, yes, in some states you can be involuntarily committed. Um, cause I was joking with my, I went in to see my doctor and he's like, have you ever thought of committing suicide? And I was like, well, yeah, who hasn't? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, you, I know you're, he's like, I know you're joking, but I could have you committed for saying that. And I was like, Oh, well, in that wow. case, um, and that's and so, a dentist. And exactly. Crazy guy. No, no laughing gas either. Um, so, so, so like, then it was like, well, what if this happened to a woman and uh, she, well, she ended up there with her own stalker? And then it's like, is, is he really there or is it, is she actually going crazy? It's just kind of a, what if, and then that, you know, that's sounded like fun. So we wrote it yeah. and then we it made fun. it. Yeah. It was a fun idea, but those are just, I mean, you know, that's, I'm less interested in the story for me, but when I'm writing a book, because I spend so much time, like in, as you know, in uh, writing a, a, a movie, uh, there's very strict uh, guidelines, you know, that you have to adhere to in the narrative uh, development of your script. And like, you can get, you can get tired of that. You can feel constricted by that after a while. And so like, like that, that's what I think when I write a novel, I, I, I like to, um, I, I enjoy being able to ignore all that stuff. I enjoy being able to ignore the, the, the constraints and just do whatever the hell I want. And also play with language a lot because I'm interested in language. I speak a few languages. Uh, I like the way words mean different things in different languages and mm. or you are used differently in different ways, et cetera, et cetera. So that's basically the, the writing novels is my way of like, sort of like getting to exercise muscles that I don't use while writing movies. End quote. <laughs> but you still deliver, I mean, it's like a pot boiler. That's still a term, but it might just all be taking, taking place in her head. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, which again, that's just, I just, I, I like, I like to explore the, um, the sort of dividing line between reality and illusion or what is just examining what is reality. Cause I, you know, I still don't know. I doubt I'll ever know. I don't know. Is any of this happening? I don't know. I don't know. I always tell people you don't exist. It's true. Whenever my wife says, uh, why haven't I met your friend Jim yet? I said, I don't know. He's not there. I made him up. It's, it's, it's as good an explanation as any. Yeah. I mean, I've never met her. You said, you tell me she's in Sweden. She might be in Sweden. She might. I don't, I don't know. I've been to Sweden. I have too. It's terrible. Or have I? <laughs> I, 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 could, I could say that even more than you. Remember when I was sick? That's when I was the most sick. Well, what in Sweden? Oh no, no, that was Denmark. No, it was Sweden. No, oh, Denmark. Uh, Netherlands, actually, Netherlands. Uh, um, yeah, it was like that show in um, a tiny little town that I can't even remember the name of, but it was um, it was it was the Netherlands or or uh, Holland. Is See, but I've been telling people it's Sweden, so I think in reality it's Sweden. No, no we didn't play Sweden. Uh, with you because the only place we played in Sweden was uh, Gothenburg and Stockholm 
and that was uh you weren't on that tour that was mm. uh, that was terrible i was like in a small closet hallucinating really uh sounds great to me small it was like being in a sensory deprivation tank because exactly. it was so quiet and uh which i've never done but i've always wanted to do so it's like you know you're basically you're a william hurt in altered states you know uh, yeah pretty close which is sounds great to me but now with your novel are you uh are you poking a little fun at uh michel hoybeck i don't speak french um well back um sure uh not really it just seemed it was like yes <laughs> yes but i mean uh, but but for legal reasons i'm uh <laughs> not allowed to actually no i just uh just it's not really about it's not really Welbeck so much as the popular idea of Welbeck as this sort of misanthropic um uh kind of stereotypical frenchman which he is absolutely not in real life mm -hmm. um but or whatever real life i've never met him but but it's not the persona that he 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 projects in his interviews and in his books and the the, the idea that you might get a of him from that, I, I think is probably it's it's not at all like either of the versions of Welbeck that I put in the um, in the book. But but the, I, what I thought was funny was just it was like the twin concept. Like then I doubled it because it's like I was you know the, the double has a long tradition in literature going back to well well before Dostoevsky. The double, um, but even before that. Um, but there's a long tradition of that. Um, and then, so I thought it would be a nice parallel if it's like, what if this, I also just thought this was a funny idea that like, what if Michelle Welbeck was actually just an actor? Cause I, you know, I, I've always wanted to do that. And I have on occasion uh, resorted to employing certain people whose names cannot be mentioned uh, for legal reasons as myself in personal appearances as, as an author. And I thought, well, that would be a cool thing. If you, if you're like, I don't have, you know, like, I don't have the right image for for to you know for this writer for this you know like chain smoking you know um, misanthropic French writer. Um, so I'm going to hire a guy who has the right image, and he's going to be me for all public appearances. Yeah. And I'll you know I'll split him some money. So I just wait. Know. I don't remember getting paid. This guy has money. This guy in the book, he has money, mm. um, and he can pay people things. Mm. Um, and also that's a full-time job there when you're, you're representing a best-selling author like Michelle Welbeck, whereas sure. a public celebrity in, in France, at least, um, and uh, whereas in a uh, public celebrity, a public figure, but whereas I am not, nobody even knows what I look like. So I can send out you, for example, and, you know, only one old lady in the audience would, 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 would expect <laughs> anything was up. Apparently, um, but but yeah, I mean you know so so it's more it's more poking fun of of the stereotype of the French public intellectual than it is uh, public uh, poking fun at Michelle Welbeck personally, who I'm sure is a perfectly agreeable uh, Maybe. Uh, human being in in real life.
Can we talk about the spin early days? Do you care? Yeah, sure we can. <clears throat> How did you get involved with spin? What happened? I get involved with spin. Um, well, as you do, um, you meet Bob Guccione at a party. Yeah. You, you you introduce you're introduced by a, a mutual friend and and who says uh, you know this guy's a, a musician and a great writer and Bob's like oh really, um, and we hit it off, we got along, um, and you know there was a position, there was always there was a lot of I mean, this is always the case at magazines, but there was it was fairly heavy turnover at spin largely because we weren't making any money because the magazine was at that point was was like you know it was always it was a scrappy upstart and uh, you know uh magazine uh this was like around the fourth or fifth anniversary because i think the first thing i did was go to the fourth or fifth anniversary party i was like i mean i think i've been working there for like three days and then there's the, the party and i'm like oh this is great party it wasn't much of a party but it was still but it was the type of thing where you know like you're like you didn't know there was always rumors are we going you know are we even going to still be in business next month you know like you know are we how are we keeping the lights on because um you know it was and you know we covered we covered music that was by definition not popular <laughs> and um and so like at first, you know, like that, that was like, you know, like, and then that was always a battle, not a battle, it was an, uh, a healthy argument with Bob about like, you know, like, like, for example, uh, I think when the album Goo came out by Sonic Youth, I, I interviewed them, wanted, uh, I wanted them to put them on the cover and Bob wanted to put Billy Idol on the cover. This is 1990, you know, or 89, 90, something like sure. that. And Ford Fairlane had just come out. Billy Idol's hot again. He's not. He wasn't hot, but he was like, you know, and like McNeil did the story, went out to LA, whatever. Um, and, you know, it was a big, it was a fairly heated editorial meeting. And, and you know, he's like, you know, I, he's telling me, I, I don't think you can be objective about, you know, who should be on the cover, Jim, because since you wrote the story. And I was like, well, obviously, I'm, but that's not, I, I'm not just trying to get a cover. I'm just, it's, it's like, I did not, the argument wasn't about like who, who's going to sell more covers because you know long story short we ended up putting billy idol on the cover mm -hmm. and it sold a lot of copies um as he knew it would my argument was and it, because i'm not you know like i didn't own the magazine i'm mistaken this it's like that i don't care if billy idol is going to sell more copies sonic youth is who our audience is right you know, and that's yeah and that's the audience we want to cultivate that's the audience we want to lean into and sort of like that's how we're going to grow you know, our magazine, I was probably dead wrong, you know, about that, but I was accidentally right because then like a year later, Nirvana happened and, you know, we went from a very, very much a struggling, you know, but still, you know, still doing okay magazine that paid nothing and like paid, we went, you know, I think we paid 25 cents a word, which I know sounds probably like a lot to people now, but at the time wasn't, that great and we weren't we you know um to anyway to like almost overnight circulation doubled um and uh 
we were seen as, as somehow as the forefront. But but the, the funny thing about that is, is that magazines, especially at the time, because of lead time and all that kind of thing, are we were always reactive. You know, we weren't like we weren't sort of like um we weren't in a position that something even like a pitchfork was you know when they were um sort of helping i guess uh elect the you know like who the who the best new artists are and stuff like that because like we were always be kind of behind two two or three months behind what was actually happening in the culture um so but but in the case of nirvana we actually just happened to like we 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 got that one right you know like bob, uh, bob agreed to put them on the cover it was before their album came out um because yeah. uh, enough of us said this is going to be big even though we didn't really know it was gonna, we didn't know it was gonna be that big nobody knew nobody knew anything right but we there was a lot of buzz there was just like you know this is going to be this they, they might go gold you know they might have a <laughs> sure. record on their hands um so he's like you know well, okay we'll put them on our special like you know best new artists of the uh, of the year something issue or something and we put them on the cover and that was just like the like the first cover they did you know like but but that was only by coincidence because not co okay not coincidence it, it was just it was unusual that we would be that out ahead of of something you well know? it's interesting because i mean it's also that's the same year that <clears throat> a number of huge albums came out from already big bands and you had like guns and roses who uh they were uh i guess a glam metal band you would call them uh, i mean the only thing about that i remember that guns and roses record because they called out bob on the on the, on the song or something on one well that's what i'm getting to which is like it immediately had there was already a rift like it was like yeah. rolling stone was the magazine that would cover guns and roses right and it seemed like Spin was the one that was mostly covering grunge. I know Rolling Stone covered grunge, but it, it, it always seemed like they were a step behind. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely jumped. I mean, like, like uh, I mean, we would already have been covering Nirvana in the first place. And, and yeah. you know, that whole, and were already covering all <clears> the, <throat> you know, the bands that preceded them. And, you know, it's just, we would not, not necessarily have put them on the cover. That would not have been that's that, that again that was usually bob's call at the end of the day in consultation with the editors but like there was always fights about that i mean you know he was he he was trying to grow he was trying to get you know he just wanted to, he wanted bigger he wanted more sales so he wanted to put john cougar mellencamp on the cover you know or bon jovi or something like that we're, we're objectively popular artists that could sell a lot of magazines mm -hmm. but i felt um that you know, we, I mean, he didn't, it, that wasn't always the case. Like there, there were times when we put, you know, we put, gen, I mean, but yeah, you know, he would always be able to look at, this was way before my time, not way before, it was before my time. It was like, I think he did get talked into putting Nick Cave on the cover um, in probably what would have been like 86, 87 or something like that, maybe 88. I don't know. All I know is, is it was the lowest selling cover in the history of the sure. magazine. Um, and obviously this was a time when Nick Cave isn't who Nick Cave is now, but, but, yeah. um, but still like, you know, that was like, you know, that like if left to the editors, that's the sort of thing we would have been putting on the cover and we would have been putting, you know, um, yeah, bands that just, that we probably would have run the magazine into the ground if, if it had been up to us. I mean, you know, after Nirvana, it got a lot easier because you could put, um, 
I don't know, Juliana Hatfield on the cover and still sell a respectable number of magazines because she's got a video on MTV. Um, whereas, you know, if pre Nirvana, that just wouldn't have been possible, you know, um, mm -hmm. not, not possible. It just would, we wouldn't even be in a conversation, but it was just sort of the gold rush after Nirvana. It was the whole record company, the whole record, sorry, the record business had no idea what was going on. And this started throwing money at a bunch of bands that, um in retrospect it's like here, here's my 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 sort of take on the whole thing the whole nirvana thing is that we at the time thought it was sort of like this great breakthrough this big new beginning for 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 rock music that had been that the kind of music that we had grown up loving the underground punk rock that stuff that started in punk and then post-punk and then like hardcore whatever all the underground college rock whatever you want to call it um that was bubbling up through the 80s finally breaks out into the mainstream with nirvana and um and it seemed like the start of something really interesting and uh potentially revolutionary and what it actually was was the end of rock music uh, mm -hmm. as a viable popular cultural form it was the last gasp didn't I didn't I had no idea at the time, but in retrospect, that's what it seems like. Nirvana was the last rock band because um, there have been rock bands since then, but they've all either been terrible or haven't sold records. You know, like mm -hmm. in, in in that kind of and it's just like ever since that, like after after grunge or whatever you want to call that era after Nirvana, um, you know, and that brief sort of surge of of alternative rock for lack of a better word then it just like you know then then it was boy bands and britney spears and you know limp biscuit and rock i mean just like just a lot of like all that like if there's any innovation whatsoever it happened then it started happening in in hip-hop and r and and and, and pop you know yeah. like um and that's just a, that was, you know, which is fine, but that, those were always, they, they, that was probably more so in hip hop, but that, that was like, in pop, I mean, pop music is always changing and always mutating and ultimately pop music won, if you want to, if there was any kind of sort of like, uh, if, if you want to look at it in competition terms, I mean, it was just like, because now like, yeah, the best you can hope for is a, as a, as a sort of generic indie rock, um, Okay, not even generic, but in, even an inventive and interesting indie rock band is 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 like um, is cult status, is underground like hit status. Like you know, I mean, Radiohead, I would argue, isn't even a rock band. I mean, you know, they started as a rock band, but they 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 weren't a rock band by like ninety eight, ninety nine. Right. Like OK Computer is not a rock record. Um, I don't know. You know, it has some of the same elements as a rock record, but it's more of a it's more of an art art record and then they just got more and more electronic and all this stuff and you know um but yeah no i think i i and and also there was always bound to be exceptions to the rule but for the for the most part for me Nirvana marks sort of the death knell of 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 rock music as is a force in popular culture mm -hmm. and i you know we thought the opposite at the time yeah well i mean it, it was huge for a minute no, they, I mean, were, they were selling like, grunge clothes. Like, 
I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying rock music as, as a force in popular culture started in the 60s, you know, like right. was, was dominant in the 70s and to a large degree in the 80s, although it, it morphed into like sort of some very bad versions. But but like, you know, in the, and then it sort of crested in the, in the early 90s, uh, early to mid 90s. And it's, it's it's done as a force. Uh, it's just been absorbed, co-opted, whatever you want to call it, into into other forms of music, uh, popular music. But like it, as a as a thing where, as a, as a, as a form of um, music that has an impact on, on pop culture, it just doesn't, it doesn't really mm -hmm. matter anymore. But. <clears throat> and you got to know Cobain a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we were friends. Uh, I was probably one of, if not the last person to see him alive, but, um, but that is also um, the reason that I quit Spin, um, uh, because I happened to be in Seattle when he killed himself, and on assignment for Spin, uh, working for doing uh, my my um, widely ignored series, uh, a year in the life of rock and roll, uh, where I just went around and did it's one stuff. of my favorites, and. Uh, I was working, so I was working in the warehouse at Sub Pop, or just working at where I call it warehouse. It was just a different floor. I was working, you know, um, I was hanging out at Sub Pop basically, drinking. I was drinking at Sub Pop, um, and when it happened, so I happened to be there. And so then, when you know, when Kurt killed himself, that you know, they called me first. You know, obviously they were like they were like Johnny on the spot, and I was like, I can't do that, but. Instead of saying I can't do that, I I just sort of said okay, and then hung up the phone and kind of like uh, ignored them, the 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 desperate phone calls for the next few days, and then um, uh, flew off with the the breeders to their they were on tour that um, and they had flown in for the for the funeral, um, but like you know. I could have handled that better uh, from a professional standpoint, but like, you know, I just, I just couldn't, it was, it was ghoulish because um, the previously scheduled had been the, I don't know, the fifth or the sixth anniversary party of Sub Pop for that Saturday. Like, I think he died on a Wednesday or Thursday, let's say. Um, and then we were all like up at Sub Pop going, do we cancel this party? Do we not? And they were like, well, everyone's, flying in for the part they've already made plans it's too hard to cancel this that the other thing so they decided to go ahead with it and of course so it ended up being a lot more people came showed showed up to that party than they were expecting mostly journalists and they were like i was there and there were all these journalists going like oh this is terrible you know, i hate this part of the job this is a terrible you know but it might as well be me as long as as long as it has you know it has to be right. done, it might as well be me and i was like I'm just looking at these people going, you don't have to do it. You know, you don't have yeah. to do this. It's like, I mean, no one was like, no one was like, you know, gleefully licking their chops metaphorically or otherwise, you know, everyone was bummed out like extremely, but, but I was like, you know, why are you, why are you doing this? You're just, it felt like they were, you know, it wasn't, but it felt like, you know, the vultures flocking to the, you know, the corpse. And like, had I also, the other thing is, had I decided to, do my job, um, I would not have then been able to hang, uh, spend the days at his house, hanging out with his family and gone to the funeral and all the stuff that I did get to do 
which, you know, um, which I would not have been able to do in my capacity as a journalist. I would have had to just, you know, stay on the, you know, I would, yeah. Um, so, you know, that, and that's, you know, like I said, I could have handled it the way I, I, I let spin or rather didn't let spin know I was going to do the story. Um, Cause they had to scramble and put together like it, they had to scrap a whole issue and just fill it with, you know, tributes and all this kind of thing. But it's just like, for me on a personal level, just, I feel bad for letting down my colleagues at Spin Magazine, but uh, but yeah, it wasn't a choice for me. I'm just very, you know, just very passive aggressive in the way that I was, which ironically is the one thing, one, one of the, th the things I remember from the funeral was um, hanging out outside afterwards with uh, Dave Grohl with the smokers, because we were smoking, I was smoking then. Filthy habit. Sure. Don't recommend it. Uh, but we were smoking and um, and nobody's really saying anything because we've just been at this very emotional service and uh, and girl just goes, uh, man, talk about passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that was um, kind of broke the ice there. It was kind of, you know, yeah, kind sure. of funny to say. And, um, you know, um, but that's, yeah, like everyone was just kind of like shell-shocked, but, but it was like, I wouldn't have traded that experience. I mean, even though I ended up having to babysit Francis for a couple of hours when everyone else was, like everyone in the family was MIA for one, whatever reason. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of chaos around the house, around the Cobain household that day. Um, but I had never met his mom or his sister and stuff like that. So it was kind of like, um, it was kind of in a weird way. It was nice um, to to do that, and um, um, and yeah, like I said, I wouldn't have been able to do any of that. And I've never written about it, and I never will write about it um, unless someone offers to pay me a whole lot of money. See, that's the thing. I would have done it at the time for spend, but they weren't paying me enough. Yeah, oh, Bob's gonna love that part. Yeah. No, just, what, what are you doing? I mean, no, I mean, like, to be fair, no, he's paying me a lot of money, paying me much more than I deserve. But in order for, for me to, 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 you know, in order for me to, per, to uh, perjure, not perjure, that's the wrong word, to uh, prostitute my, myself to that extent, uh, it's just, he didn't have that kind of money. Yeah. Nobody has that kind of money. On the other hand, you know, like, Universal Studios comes to me right now and says, we have that kind of money. Yeah. I'll think about it. Yeah. Passive aggressive, the movie. Exactly. It's a hit. It's already a hit. But uh, uh, I, I do want to talk about that year in the life because that's the thing I read as a kid, which is so funny to me of like, I, 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 would, I was looking forward to every issue. Because I was like, this guy's going around the country and the world, and yeah, it was a great job. It was a great gig. I remember, yeah, that, uh, um, I remember being at a spin like Christmas party before, right before it kind of started, and and telling some people that this was what I was gonna do, and, and they were like, "Wow, great gig!" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it's great. But, but, it's really uh, funny. I think we could probably link it so people can." No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I've never read any of it. I wrote it all drunk. I disavow all of it. Um, <laughs> That's funny. 
I've, yeah. I've, I've looked at it recently. It's, it's, it's funny stuff. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, Man, of course, to me, the most, the most important style. was, the most important was you went to a Buffett concert. Mm. There, we're, we okay. are going to find that photo of you in the shark suit. Yeah, it's 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 like I said. I was not. It was not. It was a period. It was not a period of great sobriety for me. Uh, my relation to alcohol was problematic at the time. However, sure. um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I went down there with, um, uh, you know, um, I was I was engaged to Kim Deal at the time, and so her sure, yeah. her brother Kevin was a big parrot. Maybe for all I know, still is a, a big parrot head. And they were like, you got to go down. And I'm like, well, obviously I got to go down and I got to write about this. It was, uh, I think it was Cincinnati, probably. Um, what's the, what's the shed there? The, the, I don't know. The would have been at, probably at the riverfront. Pro- it sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and he, he supplied me with the costume the, um, because he, you know, being a parrot head, he's like, you know, and I was, I kind of had, on the one hand, it was like, you know, I really don't want to put this shark costume on them. But on the other hand, if I have someone take a picture of me in the shark costume, uh, I can put it in my spin magazine article and, and, yeah. and people will think it's funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the ritual, right. And it's like, and well, I didn't, but like, you know, the rituals, the, most of the Jimmy Buffett, uh, the important stuff of the Jimmy Buffett concert takes place in the parking lot. Oh yeah. Um, I wrote about that's it. Where, well, that's where the grilling uh, of the cheeseburgers and the consuming of vast quantities of margaritas um, takes place, and then so by the time I I I, I actually got into the you know got well, by the time the concert started I I um, I was pretty wasted. But I was you know, the main thing I do remember was um, was I knew a lot more Jimmy Buffett songs than I thought I did. Yeah, right. Guy writes hits. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was impressive. I was like, you know, I, 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 I mean, I would never, I've never been to another one. Um, uh, but, but, uh, you know, it's nothing against Jimmy Buffett. It's just one, once was enough for me, but, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I got it, you know, like I would I, just like, you know, I'm not going to go become, I've never been a fan of any band to the point where I would follow them on tour anyway, but I, you know, I know there's whole subcultures around, you know the Grateful Dead, Fish, the and Jimmy Buffett to to some extent, but yeah. um, but yeah, I mean I can understand the appeal, sort of the uh, the 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 permanent uh, Florida Keys vibe, yeah, <laughs> the permanent beach bum vibe, basically. Great movie, My, Matthew McConaughey. Ah, oh, it's a masterpiece. I love yeah. that movie. That is a great movie, um, and that's basically that movie is the parrot head vibe in a movie um yeah totally. and, and it's um it's fantastic yeah i mean I, I get the appeal especially uh yeah especially for the fans of you know. <clears throat> but yeah no it was a fun series to do but it was i didn't take it as seriously as i should have i never took anything as seriously as i should have back then yeah, but that's what makes it fun I think it. I think it was fun, but you know, like the. I, ultimately, the idea was it was going to be, uh, is going to be. We had a book deal um, at the time with like vintage contemporaries or something like Spin did, and that was like that. That the Spin record guide and and then my book were going to be two the two components of the book deal, but I just I couldn't even get my shit together to to finish the book, 
because I was looking at it, I was like, there's no narrative here. <laughs> it's like, it's just me going places for, and like the editor had, couldn't make heads or tails. He's like, I, I can't, like, he's like, I remember having lunch or with, with, with the publisher at some point. And, and he's like, well, how do you plan to make a narrative out of this? And I'm like, a what now? Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just, you know, I, I did give it a shot, but then I was in, then I was in Guided by Voices and I was trying to write the damn thing on, on the road, which is just like, you know, you just, it, it was, um, so yeah, I just ultimately in my usual, my usual way, I just sort of like, um, kind of disappeared on that deadline. But what's funny is like the narrative, and I've told you this so many times, is that you have the ultimate rock critic story, which is you, you go, first of all, you land one of the babes of indie rock. And then, and then you're in, you somehow fall into one of the best, the coolest bands on the, in the scene. That's the narrative. Well, I mean, how did you get into Guided by Voices? Besides, I'm sure drinking played a part. Drinking always plays a part. But <clears throat> honestly, I mean, uh, uh, they needed a bass player. And then, you know, um, Bob, we were friends at that point. I mean, you know, we're all friends. There was only four. There's like, you know, however many musicians in Dayton. And they uh, we all hung out at the same bar. It's, and, it's and debatable and, uh, how many there are, but yeah. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. So and so we we all hung out at the time. But long story short, he begged me to be in the band, and like I didn't really want to do it. But it was sort of presented to me as a part-time gig. They don't really tour. They don't. They spend a week making a record, um, mm -hmm. and you know, I know. So that's a that's on a you know that's that's for that's for a, a an ambitious uh, double album concept uh, would take a week. But um, yeah, it seemed like it seemed like a like a very much a part like maybe two three months out of the year type of type of gig, but it very much very quickly right after I joined turned into all of a sudden a full time thing because then we were signed to Matador and just always doing something you know and it just like that was not what I had signed up for and it was putting a a, a you know as you can imagine a strain on my relationship, um, so. But I mean, it wasn't the only strain, but it was certainly didn't help. Like, mm -hmm. I'm on tour, she's on tour. You know, I'm making a record, she's whatever. Not, I mean, you know, it's just the schedules never lined up. You know, uh, I mean, there were a lot of other problems. And then, you know, yeah, the the drinking. I must have put on uh, forty pounds of just beer weight. You know. Yeah. Um. So that by the time I finally did, when I did quit, got it by voices, and like, you know, and then. Um, moved, shortly thereafter moved to LA and it's like quit drinking for a while and it's just like I, I was like the next time I saw I ran into Bob I mean not ran into him when they played out in the west and I, I came to the show and he's like are you okay <laughs> they, they thought I was sick you know yeah they were like you know I had lost so much weight they were like just like you know you sure and I'm like no this is this is how much I normally weigh <laughs> you're, you're normally you're clear-eyed what's going on yeah exactly. I know like, what the hell is going on here um <laughs> and uh yeah it's 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 you know um so so i mean it, it was just so I, I don't know you you see it as this i i understand what you're saying with the narrative there but like for me it was not a happy time overall you know like um there was just a lot of i mean it's not a it was a it was a 
tumultuous time for me. Uh, um, you know, the, what's the, I don't know. <clears throat> I think of the best way to, to put it, but yeah, I mean. Um, well, I can imagine, because I've drank once with Bob. It wasn't, that, it wasn't just a, yeah, it wasn't the drinking, but what I'm saying is like, you know, like the relationship with him was, was always tempestuous at, at best. Mm -hmm. And then, and Bob is a tempestuous person himself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and there was just, uh, there was always a lot going on. I was always traveling, you know, whether it was for spin, uh, whether it was for um, Kim or whether it was for uh, Guided by Voices, you know, it was just, I was always going somewhere. I never felt like I even had five minutes to, and I was always drunk. Yeah, you know, um, okay, not always, but I was, I was often drunk um, and it wasn't healthy. So I don't, I just, I don't, I, I, you know, there's always a temptation to look back on things and be nostalgic about it. But I just, you know, I, I don't really see a lot to be, like a lot, a lot of people died. <laughs> yeah. You know? Not just Kurt, but like friend, friends of mine, like a lot of people, you know, had problems with drugs and died and, um, or just like just got arrested or just, you know, had to go to rehab or whatever. And it's just like that, it was just a lot of, um, there's a lot of um, hard living going on then at that yeah. time that, um, that I don't necessarily look back at very fondly. And also it wasn't the most productive time for me as a writer. Like I did the minimum of what I had to do for spin, um, but I don't feel like I did it very well. And like, you know, uh, you know, but uh, you know, and I, I wasn't, honestly, I wasn't that invested in it at the time, you know I mean? Cause there's so much going on. I just was like, oh shit. You know, I'd be like backstage somewhere. It's like, I've got to fucking finish this record review of a record I still haven't listened to. And sure. ended, up, ended up not listening to, you know, but, um, so you know yeah it was just um i don't know <sighs> plus you're in dayton ohio i don't know um i mean to be fair it wasn't there much but you know i was living there and uh it's fine but it's not exactly the cultural center of the universe um no i wouldn't i wouldn't think so does have the Pine Club, but that's, uh, that's oh, about it. Is that still there? Yeah. I love that place. That, that I miss. And Marion's Pizza, which is dynamite. I just, it's fine. I never, I mean, I don't, I don't mean like, you know, it's fine. It's, it's good pizza. It's just like, I don't understand the, the, the sort of worship of it, but yeah, it's good. It's pretty good. They cut it into little squares for people who don't know. They can they cut the pizza. It's a round pizza, but they cut it into little uh, squares that you can yeah. like one inch, one inch squares. And we we love squares, Ohioans. Apparently, our hamburgers have uh, squares. Look at Wendy's. I, he, doesn't, yeah. he doesn't. We don't cut corners, as, as Thomas said. White, uh, well, yeah. I don't know if they're from Ohio, but they they, they have the the slider is sort of a square. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, let's talk about wrap it up with uh, mirror moves if you want to talk about it. Oh, uh, yeah. So now you made a movie. We're just going to cut 30 years later. Uh, yeah. Just <clears> to, <throat> I finished my uh, directorial debut. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's a kind of a companion piece 
to the book only in the sense that it is also a nonlinear, um, non-narrative kind of experimental uh, work, but it's a different story. This uh, Mirror Moves is about a one, it's based on the actual story of the, the, the Green River Killer from the 80s uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Um, apparently, and this is the only part that interested me, was apparently he was married to this woman for 15 years who had no idea. So my what if in this case was like, what if we, we just told the story of the day that she finds out that she's been married to a, a serial killer for 15 years and kind of like do her, her perspective, her mind fracturing, but from her perspective. Yeah. And that's basically what it is. And I, you know, it's my first, first time uh, making a feature and it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. What was and, the most challenging thing about directing? I gotta say, I'm very proud of you. I didn't, I, you know, not that you can't, I didn't think you could do it, but I think it was more I, about, could you be there on set all the time? Well, it, well I mean, it, it's weird when you, when you, um, cause like, yeah, being on set is like the, the deadliest dull thing yeah. on earth. I had always thought as the writer, you know, being on set. But when you're directing the movie, it's it you you just you don't get bored. I mean, it's like there's always something to to do. There's always like you just get caught up in it, and it's like, um, yeah. I mean, it was it was really. I mean, I think um, so. I think like uh, after the first or the second day of shooting, I texted um, uh, Soderbergh and said, uh, "Why didn't you tell me this directing stuff was so hard?" Um, and he wrote back, uh, it's only hard if you want it to be good. Yeah, that's true. And I was like, um, why is it hard anyway? Yeah. <laughs> I clearly don't care if it's any good or not. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, and, it, and it's true. It, it really is hard and it's hard. Like, like the shoot is, the shoot was physically the hardest thing. The, um, the editing, the post-production, the, the editing was the, was the hardest, thing for me because um i had basically had to learn how to edit um so and also but but it was also par probably the most fun because i was able to like once i had gotten a a sort of a, a rough assembly of the of the edit done then i then i was able to move things around mm -hmm. and that's sort of like it's sort of like something you can't really do the language of cinema of the, the grammar of, of of films is just different from the from the way that books work similar in some ways and i wrote it so you know like so i i, I felt perfectly free moving things around and that and changing changing things up from what i had written in the script but it's you can do that in a way uh that you can't do in in just writing books or yeah. or, or or movies or anything so it's like it was like that was the most fun thing and it was like for me that was like i i realized now in my in my dotage that i should have been do, probably doing this all along because uh because it's like uh you know i've always been a, i was trained as a musician as a on the as a tenor saxophone player so i've always been a musician uh always been a writer been a writer for as long as i can remember and now you know now that you throw the the visual aspect into that which i didn't know i even had any interest or talent at and it's like it's all three of those things and you can and it's just uh it's 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 all the things i love 
in one thing. And, yeah. and so it's, it's like, um, I would like to do more of it, but you know, first I have to see if anyone likes this thing, which they're not going to, cause it's weird and boring, but you know, um, uh, you never know. You never know. You weird, never know. weird and boring is sold before. It's true. I can't remember where, but you know, well, I mean, take word yeah. for it. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. It's no red notice. I'll I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, I can definitely tell that all your actors were in the same room. So if that's yeah. a compliment, it's true. It's true. They were <clears throat> they were in the same room. We didn't have the money to not put them in the same room. <laughs> uh, they had to be in the same room, whether they liked it or not. And believe me, they did not like. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was a great experience. Um, so yeah. Well. I'm not going to ask you about the horse's mouth, which is uh, really, I think that your last stain that the people will come back to years from now and go. Hundred percent. I got on something. Um, on or on to on, something. On something. Was that's on something. something. That's that's that, that that. No, we should. You should. You should mention that. You know, you should mention the horse's mouth because then maybe you know, someone will get interested in it. Yeah, but how do I do it? I'm I'm always afraid of being too. Uh, yeah, you know, it's gotta be careful. It's just uh, I should say, well, well, because um, I because when I write these things, I can't help but insert myself into them. Even when I was like, I, yeah. I interviewed the kids in the hall, and eighty percent of the article is about me. So yeah, uh, I, I can't, can't imagine it. people like that. So, no, they don't. Um, but you know, who cares? <laughs> I, I don't. Clearly, I don't because yeah. I keep doing it. No, you just say, I could say, like, leading into rumors, just say, just say that, um, you know, after, okay, so here's the thing. So, you know, after, you know, I was on the set for Unsane with Steven, and he shot that film on iPhones, and it was a small crew, and it, it you know, being there and, and in, in 10 days, you know, and, and, and being there gave me the idea that, you know, I could maybe do something like that. You know, like that didn't seem too too daunting. Where sets I'd been on before were like big, huge sets with, you know, huge cameras and just like film crews that like you know hundreds of people, and that just seemed that seemed very daunting. Um, but that being you know doing insane, it was like oh I see I see how this could be done by someone like me. And then uh, you and I started uh, working on the horse's mouth, which I wasn't able to be there in person for much of, but it was again, a, a small, uh, it appealed to me as being like a small uh, sort of production and a different way to tell a, a story. Cause it's more like more, more of a serial thing than a, than a, um, than a, a feature narrative. Um, but, you know, got, you know, we got, we got Juno who had been in, in um, Unsane and she was kind enough to, to come in and you pulled in some of your friends and it just seemed like, uh, it was a lot of fun and uh and so that just made me even more determined at some point to 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 go ahead and do my own feature yeah um, so yeah work it in that way i will because i find it easy because i just put myself in it and no, I'm maybe, just saying, maybe I'm one other I'm person leading you in there you know no no, no i know i mean as a director i'm, I'm talking about it as making oh, yeah. movies oh directing yeah, yeah i find it way easier if, if i'm just in it and maybe somebody else well, that's, that's, that's my thing is like, I can't, that's, that's, that's where my, you know, like, I just know, I know, like, I mean, I don't know whether I can act or not. I have just have no interest in it. Um, I don't want to be there. I don't like seeing myself on the, I can walk, watch anyone else 
and I don't know how they did like Beth has watched this movie several times and I'm like and she's like I, I just had to stop looking at myself a long time ago um and I was like I could not I just I, I couldn't do it I can't sit there and look at myself the whole time um just so so that's like that would make it a lot easier but I just can't I can't do it plus I'm probably not any good at it but I don't know and I don't want to find out I would much I, rather I think you're doing a great job playing James Greer the writer exactly and I was just like it was it was just it's easy it's easy for me to like uh, like like the stuff that I did, like most for the most part they didn't need a lot of there wasn't we couldn't do a lot of camera movement so there wasn't a lot of you know fancy stuff that I had to walk them through and then like you know it, it just wasn't it wasn't a very action-packed movie so it wasn't a lot of blocking or staging involved but what there was you know I, I knew what you know I was like can we do this and then can we do this and then just yeah just making small adjustments to the performances but that that stuff it was it was I, I actually i mean you know we did it in a we only had eight days to film i i would have liked you know a lot more but, yeah, god you're just now we're just dreaming <laughs> nine nine all days crazy but yeah um all right. yeah, I, I gotta let you go. I'm gonna piss yeah. my pants. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks. All right. Hope Talk this was to you fun. Soon. All right. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Bye. Yep.